Today, I'm, we're, actually, we're actually in a series. This could be a, a standalone message. We're in a series in 1 Corinthians, and we'll continue in 1 Corinthians. But um, it just so happened we were able to work it out that, um, that Corinthians is talking about Easter today. So uh, super cool that the way that it felt like that. We had no planning in, in that whatsoever. Uh, it will be in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 towards the end. But, uh, man, Resurrection Sunday. I mean, this is what it's all about. If this day didn't happen, then, then uh, I'm out of a job. Man, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, it's nothing's worth it if uh, if this didn't happen. We're just we're just silly talking about all this. Luke twenty four, starting in verse one. Um, this is this is kind of what happened that that morning, that Easter Sunday morning. Uh, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And we just stopped there for a second. I like to just kind of meditate on, on some of these phrases and words uh, as I'm just going through because we, we get it, the same thing with like, like Christmas. You know, we, we hear the story so much and, uh, and so the same thing with Easter and we're just, oh, okay, yeah, they just went to the tomb. But do you notice they brought spices to the tomb? In other words, they weren't expecting him to be alive. The spices were for, for the burial so the body wouldn't stink. And so the, just to set context, the, these women, these followers of Jesus, they were going to the tomb that they, they weren't expecting anything. And, and, and actually, they, they should have. Jesus had been talking about his resurrection for, for a long time. But they were coming, they were mourning, and they were, they were uh, bringing spices for the body. Verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And actually, um, that didn't even surprise them. We're going we're gonna to come. In another, another uh, gospel, they, would, they, they basically were hoping that the, that the uh, stone would be rolled away. They were thinking, how are we going to roll this stone away to put the spices on the body? Um, it's going to be too big for us. And so they get to the tomb and it's already rolled away. They're like, oh, thank God. But, you know, we, we don't have to do that our, ourselves. That's really what's happening here. Verse 3, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And instead of saying, he's risen, what do they say? Well, while they were wondering about this. In other words, man, all of this stuff that Jesus had been talking about, they're still clueless. They see the body gone and they're like, what could have happened? Somebody must have taken the body. Other, other, uh, the other gospels, so they, they actually thought the body was stolen. Someone came and, and took the body. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? And here, this is what it's all about. He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may that resurrection day the day that that caught everybody off guard even though you'd been talking about it for for weeks and months and years it still it was the day that shook everything and it even shook these two ladies lives lord we ask for that same resurrection power that was there present that day in fact your word says that the same power that raised you from the dead dwells in us may that happen today this morning in jesus name amen and the resurrection, I mean, that's, a, that, that's where it was. I wonder what was going through their mind. Like when, when he was on the cross, Good Friday, when, when they're, they're, you know, John and Mary are, are, are standing there looking at him and, and other disciples and people, what's going through their mind? And the, the women are, are coming to the tomb. They had to have been thinking, man, I don't know. I hope it works. 
he, he's, been, he's been talking about this for a long time. I, every, what if he doesn't raise? In fact, these girls didn't think he was going to raise. They were bringing spices. And I, I, I feel like the, the doubt. Any of you ever been there just in your own heart about something? You just, you're just like, I'm pretty sure it's not going to work. And, and it's not really like the hope, like it's not like this faith-filled hope. It's like, I hope so. Like, I hope it happens. <laughs> like, it would be really nice. I hope so. And then Jesus changed everything that day. And, and it really is, it really is like every, everything in Christianity, everything that we believe in, everything that you believe in, I hope that you believe in everything, it hinges on this moment that he's not dead. He is alive. Paul, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, 25 years later, um, after this amazing event, he's writing in, in chapter 15, verse 3, he says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Can we stop for a second? Watch. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. In other words, 25 years later, it's still the main thing. 25 years later, this is a big deal still. In fact, we're going to come to chapter 1 in just a few minutes, and it is just assumed that the resurrection is part of this whole story of the cross that we want to talk about. When he talks about the power of the cross, I want to tell you in a minute, there can't be power in the cross without the resurrection. He goes on, he says that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to, to Cephas, who's, who's Peter, and then to the twelve and after that he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born, for I am the least of all the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Uh, it's, it's such a great passage because uh, Paul's saying, hey, um, it, it would be like uh, you know, 25 years ago, uh, it would be like 1993 for all of us in here. And that's, that was their context. It was like, hey, 25 years ago, and it's still... Do you remember where you were in 1993? Do you remember what you were doing? I was 13. It'd be like me talking to my daughter, some of you to your grandkids, and, 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 and you're like, hey, man, when I was your age or when I was 13, and, right, you know, and, and we, could, we could still remember. There were, there were firsthand accounts. They'd be, they'd be having a church service like this, and there would have been people in that room that would have remembered that maybe they were there when he was hanging on the cross. Maybe they were there when, the, when, when he came um, out of the tomb. They were at least there when he appeared to them afterwards, and they're like, you're alive. They, there would have been firsthand accounts there. And he said, many of those people, they're still around with us today. Some of them are, are, have passed away, but a lot of them, it would be like for us thinking back to 1993. And he, he talks about the witnesses because it was, such, a, it was an, such an unbelievable event. We're going to talk about it here in just a few minutes. Like, like there had to be witnesses, <laughs> We want you to know, like, this actually happened. They didn't, they didn't steal the body. This isn't some hoax. They didn't, like, nurse him back to health. And, like, he was, he was fully dead. And he was fully back to life. 
uh, I want to talk about the cross on Easter. And, and I know you say, well, wait a minute, the cross, that was Good Friday. But I, here's, here's the, the thing. We don't have the resurrection without the cross. But the cross is powerless without the resurrection. And, and Paul thought 25 years later that there was still power in the cross here. And so I want to talk about the power of the cross this morning in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's the main thought. If we, were, if we were to walk away today, I want you to know this. That the message of the cross is the power of God that saved us. It's the power of God that sustains us. And it's the power of God released through us to a desperate and dying world. Uh, it, if you haven't been part of our church very long, or this, you might be a guest. Or, uh, really, our mission here, if we were to put it all into one phrase, our mission is to develop fully transformed followers of Jesus Christ. Like at the end of the day, if that could happen, and you know, a lot of churches can say that. But that's really our thing. If, if, if someone could be a fully transformed follower of Jesus Christ, at the end of the day, we've done our job. And the way we... we kind of do that the way we say hey this is our process of of creating that is this you see it on the wall when you walk into our church encounter grow release we we want people to encounter the presence of God to grow in their walk with God and then release their gifts from God to the world around them I mean that's if we could do that we were like man we've had a but guess what like that's here in this story we're going to read here like it's interesting that 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 whole encounter grow release man it wasn't just a cute phrase but it actually happened here in the bible first corinthians chapter 1 starting verse 18 says this for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god you know in the first century where this would have been written it's saying the message of the cross it would be like saying uh, the message of the uh, electric chair it, that was, except worse. They, 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 it would, it, to them, when we, we kind of romanticize the cross. We, we've got these nice crosses hanging here with, with backlit lights. People, people wear, wear a cross around their neck. Or, or, you know, even when we talk about the cross, we, we think of it, man, it was powerful that day. To them, in that context, when they heard the message of the cross, it was, uh, it was way different. For them. It was confusing to them. It, when Paul says foolish, foolishness, it was. To hear, it would be like the message of the gas chamber, the message of the lethal injection. Like, and they're thinking, what are you talking about? What are you saying to us? They would be saying, what message does a cruel, humiliating, unrelenting instrument of death have to say to us? No wonder it's foolishness to those who are perishing the ancients thought of crucifixion as a disgustingly cruel form of punishment they would consider the crucifixion to be the ultimate shame power in the cross what are you talking about see in the crucifixion everything was done to humiliate and dishonor the victim in addition to torturing him or her to death that was that was the goal of crucifixion Uh, jesus when he, we, we, find, we kind of have a, a, an idea of what he went through as, we, as you study like Roman torture and all of this stuff. And, and I was able, uh, uh, Lee Strobel had that book, The Case for Easter. And, and I actually was reading that this week. And uh, it, just an incredible picture, uh, it, kind of graphic. 
Jesus, when he would, he would have been arrested in the garden, if you remember the garden of Gethsemane, and he was arrested and he was taken into custody and now like it, it's on. They, they, he goes before the authorities and, and he's humiliated. You remember they, they yell crucify him and all of this stuff. But then he, get, he goes through the process of being beaten. And as he, his clothes are ripped off of him and he's standing there half naked and, and, and they start to beat him and he probably holds on to a pole and they take this whip and this whip had, had small um, like metal balls on it and, and little sharp pieces of bone. And, and as they would whip him, those balls would, would cause contusions on his back. And they would continue um, whipping him until those, those contusions would break open. And those little pieces of bone would, would catch on his skin and then they would drag it and rip him up. He would have like ribbons of flesh and blood. And actually it would go from the top of his shoulders all the way down uh, um, to the backs of his legs. And it would, it would be so much that, uh, that they would say it would be, uh, most people would have... Uh, it, like the spine and the skeletal structure would be exposed. I mean, just, just crazy pain. Most people would actually have died during that process. They would have lost so much blood, and I forget all the medical terms, but um, into some sort of shock, whatever that word is, when you lose a lot of blood. They, he would have had that. Most people would have had that. And so then he goes from there, and they have this cross beam that, he, that he's supposed to carry. Everyone carries their own, their own cross, and he goes um, up the road to Calvary. But he's lost so much blood, he doesn't have strength, and he could barely carry his own cross. And so then uh, Simon of Cyrene was, gather, uh, was uh, tasked to, to carry the cross by the Roman guards. And you get in there, you carry it. And so the, they carry it up to Calvary. And they put him on this, on, on this cross beam and they would have, they would have pulled his arms so, uh, so far that actually his arms would have been pulled out of socket. Both arms out of socket. And then they would have nailed him. And the, the nails, we, we hear that, that, you know, that it went through his hands and his feet. It actually went, would have gone through his wrist. Back then in the language of the day, um, the wrist was, was considered part of the hand. I'm sorry, I've got this thing that... Hopefully that doesn't bother you as much as it bothers me. <laughs> and the, the nail, the spike would have gone through his, his wrist and it would have pierced this nerve. And I forget what the name of the nerve is called, but it would have pierced this nerve that would have been so excruciating. It would have been like taking pliers. You know, have you ever hit your funny bone and it just hurts so bad? What if you took pliers to that funny bone and pulled and yanked and twisted? And that would have, it would have felt like that in both wrists and a similar sensation in his feet. And he's, he's there, and then they, they hang him up on the cross. And as they, they hang him up on the cross, in order for him to take a breath, every breath he would have been pulling against those nails in his feet, and it would have locked in those bones. Every breath. Eventually, he would have, it would have been so excruciating, he would have been so tired, that he would have just almost had to like, given up. He couldn't pull himself up again. And then he would have died from asphyxiation. I mean, so when, when Paul's talking about the message of the cross, it isn't this romanticized thing. This is like a, a, an incredible place of, of torture and, and everything that Jesus went through for us. You wouldn't have been able to fake a resurrection. Imagine, even if, even if he was brought back to life, he wouldn't have been able to walk. He wouldn't have been able to, I mean, what would it have, have, have been like? I mean, he, he was unrecognizable. And so this was more than Jesus coming back to life. Even, I mean, that's a miracle. And anyone believe that just someone coming back to life is a miracle? That's a big deal. This was more than that, though. 
This was the glorified body of Jesus. This was a creative miracle. It, his, his body would have had to be reconstructed and, and all of the skin back to, to perfection. And, 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 do you see the miracle in that? I like how um, the Passion Translation with this verse 18, it says this, it, talking about the cross, that it is the mighty power of God released within us. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul was talking and he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And ta- I'm talking about this power. Now, a lot of you have experienced this power, the, the power of God that leads to salvation. I want you to watch this video and uh, let's just see uh, the power of God in one of our own church members. We're just going to imagine what he's saying for a minute here. Come up here, come up here, Bruce. Never listen. So I was doing my own thing. Uh, I always knew there was God. Always knew. um, But I I didn't know him when I started walking away from him, when I became older. And so I was doing my own thing, and I would always talk to God, talk at God, but I would never listen. So I was doing my own thing. I was running around a bunch of people left over from the 60s. They were listening to Beatles and Doors music all day long. My hair was really long. Um, and I was just working as a lumberjack, uh, cutting wood. I was in some pretty good shape. Uh, but we were cutting a tree, and it was an illegal tree. We didn't have a permit for it. Uh, I was just a helper. It wasn't my business. I was just an hourly employee. And my boss started to cut this really big tree and it was dead Um, and when the trees come down it's just like the movies they make a thunder when they hit the ground and there's a big roar and a loud noise and then everything kind of quiets down well just before my boss had cut all the way through my job was kind of just to stand clear and make sure that nothing terrible happened like nobody came up on us when he's sawing because his focus had to be on the, the tree. And just about 10 seconds before he was through the tree and it was gonna come down, 
I heard something that I'd never heard before in my life. I heard the Holy Spirit yell at me in a warning. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I knew who was talking to me. I knew I was in trouble, and I knew that something was about to happen, and it scared me to death because I knew it wasn't right with the Lord, and, I, it, and the word was like, run. And so I turned around and I ran as far as I could, just to make sure I was out of the way of the tree. And just as the tree started to go over, it hit another tree, and 10 feet of that tree came down and it landed right where I was standing. Um, I would have been pretty messed up. So the big thunder came, the tree hit the ground. Um, I was very grateful to be alive, but I heard this crying going on after the thunder went away and I couldn't figure out where my boss was, so I had to go in there and find where he was. The chainsaw was still running, just idling. And when I found my boss, um, he had blood coming out of the top of his head. <clears throat> he did not know who I was, didn't know where he was, didn't know what happened, didn't want to get in the truck with me. I had to get him to a ranger station or he was going to die. Um, and it was a hard time and I started praying like I'd never prayed before. I was asking God if you'll help me help him, then maybe he can live. And uh, the long story short of it is we did end up getting to the ranger station, but they had to airlift him. They didn't, his back was hurt, and so they, they didn't want to move him out of the truck, so I had to drive him another seven miles to the next ranger station where they could get um, the airlift in. And that's his story, but when all was said and done, I drove the truck back, and I had to deal with God now, now that the emergency was over. Um, so I took some time and I started talking to the Lord and I started listening. <clears throat> and I did a lot of repenting. But that was the first time in my life I'd ever heard anything spiritual, anything. Um, but it was after that that I got my life back on the narrow road. I, I decided um, I need to be in because something supernatural was speaking to me and calling me um, to be better, to live because he had a plan for my life. And that is how I ended up following Christ. Wow, it's powerful. It's powerful. Thanks, Bruce. And so Jesus' death on the cross, it actually reveals God's power to save people from, from sin and death. And, and because his power can do that on a macro level. His power can also do that on this on this micro level in our in our everyday life. It's this it, it's uh, anything that we would be going through that would be seemingly impossible and irredeemable. It's like the problems that the church in Corinth were facing. It's like his power is available for anything that you and I are going through. Um, in fact, that word salvation in the original language it meant to be saved, healed. And delivered. In other words, like like it, it was more than just about that that one day where you accept Jesus as your Savior. It, it like he the whole plan is that he, you would continue to be saved. You you have a it's, it's it's not this. Some people you know think they have to come up to the altar and get saved like every time there's an altar call. And and John in his gospel he says I write these things so that you would know that you're saved. 
so that you would know that you have salvation. But there is this thing where I am absolutely saved, but I continually draw on the power of his salvation to work my life out every single day. Like if the word is this, it's called sanctification. It means that I am daily becoming more and more like him. I absolutely needed his salvation back then, and I need his salvation today. Paul intended, as he was writing this letter to the Corinthians, to, they wanted, he wanted them to view the resurrection of Christ. Uh, and it was these people that were opposed to this natural wisdom, or uh, opposed to, this, uh, to the resurrection because of their natural wisdom. They, he wanted them to see it as a reminder of their need to depend on God. Back to this, to verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You look at those, those two verb tense. It's interesting because you see it's for those who are on their way. For, in other words, there's still hope. They're not dead yet. It's for those who are perishing. They're, they're, they're heading in a direction, and there's still time. There's still hope. But it's also for those who are being saved. That means it's, it's for you and it's for me. This whole power of the cross, it's still available for both you and for me. Verse 21 says, For since the wisdom of God, since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. In the Passion Translation, it says it this way. It says, For in his wisdom, God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. Isn't that interesting? God designed it that way. Like in his wisdom, God designed that you couldn't figure it out on your own. In his wisdom, he thought it up. Hey, how should I do this? Let's do it in such a way that nobody could figure it out, that nobody could, could be smart enough, that nobody could stumble upon, like that they have to come through the foolishness of the cross. God, God like designed it that way. I love it. And then in the, the verse goes on in the Passion. It says he, he took delight in using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross. He didn't complicate it. We complicate it. Theologians, pastors, I guess, I, I admit, I complicate it because it makes me sound better when I make it sound really complicated. And, and, then, and then you're like, man, he is so smart. Like, he is. Like, I'm going to go to that church because he just preached. Like, I can't even understand what he says. It must be good. And God, like, he, he was like, no, wait a minute, guess what? It's simple. It's, it's just the cross. It's the power of the cross. It's the message. It's the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross. Have you ever wondered why a cross? I was wondering that. Like, why? He could have done it in all kinds of different ways. Why the cross? Why the, the story? Why did it have to be that way? In verse 22, it goes on, and it says, it says, the Jews demand signs, and the Greeks Look for wisdom. And start, we start to see this picture of why he chose to do the cross. The Jews would always want, do you remember Jesus when he was walking around on the earth? He, it, the Jews would always say, show us a sign. Show us a sign. Give us, a, give us something. Give us a, a, a miracle. Because in, in order for him to really be the Messiah, he would have to show them a sign. And then they would believe that, that he, oh, you're the Messiah. And he would never show them a sign except for the resurrection. Except for the, the resurrection was a sign. But besides that, and then the Greeks, 
the Gentiles, and he's talking to the Greeks here in, in, in Corinthians, the Greeks were, were, uh, they were always looking for wisdom. They were always looking to figure this thing out with logic and reason. And, and so he just said, okay, so I'm going to do, do it with a cross because it's not going to make sense to them. He goes on in verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. You wonder why it was a stumbling block to Jews? Because in their tradition, in the Old Testament, and actually it says it in Deuteronomy, that there's a curse for someone to hang on a tree or to hang on a pole. And, and so they would have seen this and they were like, wait a minute, a, a Messiah, the king, he's hanging on a cross? There, there's no way that this can't be God? And so it was a stumbling block to Jews. And then the, then the Greeks and the Gentiles, they would have been thinking, wait a minute, you're saying he's God? And he's going through this torturous, humiliating death that doesn't make any sense to us. And so we're not going to believe because it doesn't make any sense. And we're not going to believe because, wait a minute, the, uh, a Messiah hanging on a tree? That, that, there's a curse with that. And so God's like, perfect. We're going to do it through a cross. And whoever would unite under that cross, well, then they're going to find salvation. If they just get over themselves, basically. The verse goes on, verse 24, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. In the Passion Translation, it says, he is God's mighty power, God's true wisdom, our Messiah. Isn't that powerful? The Jews were looking for a sign and he didn't give it to them except for the resurrection. How many know that was a sign? That was a big deal. Verse 25 says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. In other words, the only way for you to experience the message of the cross and the power of God is in your heart, not in your mind. There's a, at some level, we're supposed to use logic and reason. And, and, and man, I, I, went to, I, you know, I went through Bible college, and, and, I, and I've learned all of this stuff. Sorry, that's my daughter, if you were wondering. I mean, I've done all of this, you know, and so there's, there's value in studying the word of God and getting it in you and all of this stuff, but logic and reason will only take you so far. It's like running through a forest and, and you imagine it's at night and there's these trees passing you as you're just running and running and running and you can, it's just kind of barely lit up by the moon and, and you're just running. Maybe it's almost like if you've seen it in a movie and you're being chased or something and you're running and running and all of a sudden, boom, you come to the edge and there's like a cliff. And in my mind, it's like coming to the end of my understanding. And at some level, I've got to jump. I've got to just say, okay, God, like, like there's a level of this that I'm going to just not be able to figure out up here that I've got to encounter you here. Your heart, not in your head. Verse 26, it says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. And Paul starts to flip the script here a little bit and starts to make it real personal. And, and as I'm reading this, I'm, I'm seeing that this isn't just an, an emotional uh, reminder of God's grace. Oh, it is that, but it was a little bit more than that. Paul, was, Paul knew this church in Corinth. He was there four years earlier and spent 18 months. And he had gotten a report that this church was, was uh, that they had gotten off track a little bit. And so Paul was saying to this church in Corinth, you used to get it. And somewhere along the line, 
you forgot that it's not about you and your wisdom and your strength. Like, you used to get it. I was there four years ago when you had an encounter with the message of the cross. I was there when, when all of a sudden the light bulb went off and you got it. And now four years later, somewhere along the line, you started doing it in your own strength, in your own wisdom. That's what he was telling them. You used to get it. The church of Corinth had gotten to a place where they were now living and functioning out of their own strength and their own wisdom. It was about the power of the cross back then, and it will always be about the power of the cross. But for some, it is. It's the, it is a reminder of how far we've come. Do you ever just pause and just think, man, look how far I've come. It's like this thought. We, we shouldn't be where we're at doing what we're doing but for the grace of God. Have you ever just taken a, a step back? Maybe you've been following the Lord for a long time, and you just think, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I shouldn't be where I'm at but for the grace of God. And so for some of us, it's that reminder. Verse 27 it goes on, it says, but God chose the foolish things of the world. You see that same word? He just got done talking about the cross as foolishness. Now he's talking to the people. He's saying, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You see, sometimes we, we lose that emotion, the awe, in the thankfulness of that moment when we were first called to salvation. Life moves on. We learn a little bit more. We start to think that we've become spiritually mature and we aren't rookies anymore. In some ways, we're like these spiritual experts, at least in our own eyes, right? And we're just like, yeah, we, we've come so far. But the power of God, the power of the cross, not only saves us, it sustains us. And it's how we grow in our walk with God. I want you to watch this next video, I think. I grew up in the church, um, was always around uh, Christian people, and you know, from a very early age was worshiping and um, was a lover of God, but um, somewhere in high school I decided that God was boring, um, and I decided to go my own way and uh, moved to Denver um, and just kind of led my own life. Uh, I'd always been cooking, and thank you, like I'm so thankful for the favor of God on my life because he he, he put me in great jobs, although I wasn't directly following him. Um, but his voice has always been there. Um, throughout the years, it just kind of kept getting louder and louder and more insistent and more insistent until um, I just couldn't ignore it anymore. And um, at that point, I suppose it was probably about five years ago when I was 30, um, after lots of years of self-discovery and lots of years of doing what I wanted, um, I, jumped, I just jumped in with both feet. And since then, he has gotten me to places I never thought I'd be, here being one of them, um, and he's just richly, richly blessed every move I made. Um, he's gotten me lined up to open a restaurant here in the city, which I never dreamed I would be doing. Um, I've watched him save my father's life, um, and I've watched him soften my heart in ways that I never thought possible. I, I thought that my heart, after all of that, was was so hard, and that he was still so boring, and he has become the most radically exciting 
lover of my soul and um, him just nurturing me and helping me grow every day and learning about myself, the real me, and um, what fuels me. Um, calling me to worship, which is also something I never thought that I would do, is be on stage and worship. Um, yeah, just, the, just the, the journey he's leading me on is the most exciting thing I can even imagine. Wow, so good. I love getting to know people through their testimonies. You, you see that the power of the cross, the message of the cross, like, was with her in the moment that she was saved, and then it's like been the thing that sustained her, and, and she's growing and growing, just like all of us. That we come to this last verse in chapter 1, and Paul says, therefore, because of all of this, therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. In other words, if you're going to boast, if you're going to talk about all the good stuff in your life, don't forget it's because of him. It's through him, because of him, it's because of the power of the cross. And, and I looked at this, and, and it really, to me, it was like God yelling out at, jo- at me, Jonathan, like, this is, this is the evangelism part. Like, this is really what it's about. This is about me taking my story and boasting about everything that the Lord has done in my life and, and going out and, and saying, you know, man, uh, the message of the cross is the power of God that saved us. It's the power of God that sustains us, but it is the power of God released through us to a desperate and dying world. And so we, we ask, well, how do I release that power of the cross to the world around me at my work and to my family? I really, it starts with my story, doesn't it? Doesn't it start with your story? That people need to know how good God is and that the message of the cross is as powerful today as it was back then. We're gonna do uh, two things here as, as we close. One is, uh, I'm just gonna, I wanna, give you an opportunity. If, if you were to say, Pastor Jonathan, I don't know if I were to die today, if I'd go to heaven. I want to I wanna share with you that so that you would know. Like I, You've got to know that you know that you know, and you can know that today. And then we're going to respond um, as, uh, as they're playing in worship. We're going to have communion together. And what, a, what a, a fitting time at the end of all of this to just say, it, is, uh, it was powerful back then and it's powerful today. That it was when he was hanging on the cross, when he rose from the dead, that whole resurrection power that made the cross what it is, it was as powerful back then. I believe that, that, that you can come to the table of communion and that there can be an encounter with Jesus in your physical body, there can be an encounter in your emotions, that there can be freedom, whatever that you're carrying, you need freedom over. That at, that, at that moment, when you, when you take the bread and the, and the juice, like, it, there can be a moment, if you let it, be a moment for you. You know, some of you would say, I don't know if I were to go to heaven or if, if I were to die today. And, and I want to give you that opportunity. And, and it's, it's, it's a simple step, but it costs you everything. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, like, make you think that, that, you know, once you give your heart to the Lord, all of a sudden you're going you're gonna to have a million bucks and that everything gets better and that you're going to, like, like, all of a sudden you just say those words and your health just turns around and, and your marriage gets back together and your kids come home and all of that. Man, some of that happens. Some of it does and there's supernatural power and all of that. But we give our heart to Jesus because he saved us. And I'm saying, I'm saying, Lord, you're going to become Lord of my life. Like, it's not my way anymore. It, it's your way. And there's all these great benefits that, that come. But what, even without the benefits, I choose you. And I'm going to go after you. And, 
The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that this actually happened, that this day actually, if you believe in your heart that this day happened, well then, then you're saved and you start that process. And in a few minutes as people come forward for communion, we're actually going to have a couple stations um, on, on either side by the stairs. And and you can come to that person. You can just say, hey, I, um, I asked Jesus into my heart, and I want to know a little bit more, and they'll pray with you. And we have a really nice Bible and got some information. You could also take your Connect card and write some information and just say, hey, I received Jesus today. And, and then we're just going to make sure you, we set you up best for this journey that you're now on. And Could we all just pray this prayer after me, even for the one or the two that may be wanting to pray this? Could we just say, say dear Lord, I surrender to you. I've been going my way for, for way too long. And I ask you to forgive me, to wash me as white as snow. And I choose to live for you, to make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand together?